Life in the Spirit is not to be torn from its biblical moorings. Life in the Spirit is a life renewed in the mind. It is a life of obedience. The Spirit doesn't lead in disobedience. He leads in obedience. He wrote this book. He delights in these words. And so the one who is born of the Spirit loves God's Word, longs for God's Word, obeys God's Word, is actually able to be subject to God's Word. Now, the natural man doesn't understand that, doesn't understand that at all, because he's not able to. He's hostile to God's Word. But the Christian loves and longs for God's Word. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in obedience. Remember that. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part four of the message titled, Life in the Spirit. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. The life we're living now isn't life in its completeness. Because our bodies are wearing out, we're still hassled by them. We're still bothered by so many sorrows and tears. And, you know, Romans 7 is still a reality. There's still that struggle against the the flesh, against the spirit. And there's still that plaintive cry, oh, who will set me free from this death, you know? But Jesus Christ has delivered us and will yet finish the job. And there is ultimate life waiting for us. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed... Colossians 3, verse 4 says. So uh, think in terms of that. And, you know, same with peace. Uh, The moment you put your faith in Christ, you have peace. And you can grow in peace, just like you can grow in life. But there we're waiting that day, aren't we? You know, even as the song wound up, it pointed us toward that day when he gets back for us. And we will have peace in every facet. Then the second comparison Those who are in the flesh, verse 7, are hostile toward God. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. This is one of the worst things. It's one of the strongest statements in all of Romans. In fact, in all of Scripture. The natural man is in hostility toward God. The mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. And we talked a little bit last time about the great contrast. Mindset on the Spirit loves God. Look over at verse 28 again. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to who? Well, to Christians. Who are Christians? To those who love God. When Jesus reinstated Peter to a... To a uh, position of usefulness in front of the other men. Three times he just simply asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love the Savior? Do you love God? The one in the flesh don't want to be talked to about God, is nervous around God talk, you know, and don't get too close. He's hostile toward God, but the believer loves God. Loves God. Tremendous contrast there and uh, good to remember. But then the third one, notice the rest of verse 7. The mindset on the flesh does not subject itself to the law of God. I illustrated uh, just briefly by pointing out Pharaoh, and he's such a great illustration because Pharaoh is kind of the epitome of the man who doesn't know God. And so Moses and Aaron came to him and said, Thus says the Lord, let my people Israel go. You've got my people in bondage. Let them go. Thus says the Lord. 
And you know what Pharaoh said? Who's the Lord? (laughs) Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? And then he said the truest words Pharaoh ever spoke. I do not know the Lord. That's for sure. He said a lot of other things like I'll let him go and then he'd turn back and not. He's a liar. But in this he got it right. I don't know the Lord. And besides, I will not let the people go. He didn't know the Lord and there's no way he's going to obey the Lord. He was not subject to the law of God. He's not subject to the word of God. The natural man doesn't want to hear the word of God. He's not subject to God's word. But the Christian, life in the spirit. Now watch this and be thinking, what is life in the spirit? What should it look like? The Christian loves the word of God. Listen, listen to the psalmist and just listen to the regenerate heart. Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. I shall delight in thy commandments, which I love. And I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love. Do you notice the connection between God and his word? The psalmist says, he puts it in words that often are criticized even, if you put it in contemporary language, because we're talking words of worship, aren't we? And I've been accused of bibliolatry, you know, by saying we should bow in reverence before the Word of God or whatever. And there are those who say, oh, don't get so carried away and act as if somehow... No, God's Word is an expression of His character. And so the psalmist says, I'm going to lift up my hands to Thy commandments, which I love. I love Thy commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love Thy law. Do you love God's Word? Do you love the Scripture? Aren't you glad? I mean, what you think about it. You maybe just recently came to Christ, or maybe you've been a Christian a while. And I'm not talking about the day in and day out. Now, I'm talking about don't you love the fact that God's Word told you of a Savior and pointed you to His grace, and you love, you love His Word. You love to embrace the truth of His Word. Sanctify them in Thy truth. Thy Word is truth, Jesus said. And we love to get into His Word because it tells us of His character. Those who love Thy law have great peace, the psalmist says, and nothing causes them to stumble. Those who are in the Spirit, those the life lived in the Spirit, loves God's Word. It delights in God's word. Thy testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Thy law is my delight. Even in times of trouble and real real trial, real anguish, I've seen Christians time after time delight in God's word, even in the darkest days. And that's what the psalmist said, 119th Psalm, verse 143. And by the way, all these are from Psalm 119. Trouble and anguish have come upon me. Have you ever been there? The psalmist was. David knew what it was to be in real trouble and anguish. He said, trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet thy commandments are my delight. Thy commandments are my delight. The one 
who lives in the Spirit longs for God's Word. Far from being unsubject to and wanting to stay away from, he longs for God's Word. I long for thy precepts. I wait for thy ordinances. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for thy words. My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on thy word. I look forward to those times at night, the night watches, he said, when I have time to just meditate on his word. I rise before dawn and wait. You know, believers love God's word. That's all there is to it. They long for it. They wait for it. What a contrast. What a contrast verse 7 is. But it doesn't even stop there. He says, the mindset on the flesh is not only hostile toward God, it's not only hostile toward God's Word, not subject to God's Word, but it is not even able to do so. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And he's not able to understand them. He cannot understand them. He's not even able to subject himself to God's Word. On the other hand, the Christian, life in the Spirit, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, Paul wrote in Philippians. And it's interesting to see that the Scripture calls us and exhorts us, and in fact, believers, and you can take a look, and I would encourage you sometime to look through that 119th Psalm and watch the verbs. Just look at the verbs. The psalmist keeps, remembers, guards, observes the Word of God. He obeys the Word of God. He performs the Word of God. The 112th verse, I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes forever, even to the end. Now, none of this is that negative, legal kind of legalism that just simply tries to do God's Word in your own strength. Not at all. It is the life of Christ lived through the believer. It is life in the Spirit. And life in the Spirit will be a life of obedience and keeping and observing and guarding and even performing, not in the negative sense of performance or acting. And, you know, religionists, they love to perform and act and put on a show for others and uh, obey outward rules and things to kind of score points. But the Christian life sometimes is uh, confused with that in people's minds because the Christian life, there's going to be obedience, there's going to be observance, there's going to be performance. But it's from the inside out, it's the life of the Spirit, and it's the farthest thing from that dead, dull, lifeless kind of legalism that it's often confused with. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. It's, uh, it's born out of love, and it's, and it's a joyous thing to walk in the Spirit. Look over at chapter 6. Look back at chapter 6. Paul uh, has mentioned this before, and this whole contrast is so often misunderstood that I want you to see it. Chapter 6, verse 17. Remember when we came through there? Thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became what? Obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you are committed. When a person comes to Christ, they have nothing to offer Christ but sin. They come as a broken vessel and they plead His grace and they come to Jesus Christ and there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 
And you turn from a life of slavery to sin and you become obedient from the heart. And God doesn't just save us with some sort of uh, divine statement, and but there's no change in the life. No, there's life now. A new creature. All things have become new. And so that person becomes obedient from the heart. There's a new desire to please him. And so he just describes it as obedience from the, from the heart to that form of teaching to which you're committed. You see, just as there are those pitting today and with disastrous results, pitting uh, the spirit against the mind. So there are many pitting, and usually it's the same crowd, quite frankly. Uh, these errors kind of run, run together. But uh, just as the mind and the spirit are contrasted as if they're in opposition, that you shouldn't have your mind involved, that Christianity isn't a matter of getting your mind renewed, there's a lot of thinking that way and contrasting the mind and the spirit. Well, so many are contrasting the spirit and obedience. And when there's a call for obedience, they say, oh, that's legalism. That's the flesh. Oh, no. No, it doesn't surprise me, really, that modern Christianity, having redefined walking in the Spirit and allowed just faulty thinking to characterize what it is to be in the Spirit and to have life in the Spirit and equating it with just a style of music or a mood, it doesn't surprise me at all then to see the wreckage that it results. Because life in the Spirit is not to be torn from its biblical moorings. Life in the Spirit is a life renewed in the mind. It is a life of obedience. The Spirit doesn't lead in disobedience. He leads in obedience. He wrote this book. He delights in these words. And so the one who is born of the Spirit loves God's Word, longs for God's Word, obeys God's Word, is actually able to be subject to God's Word. Now, the natural man doesn't understand that, doesn't understand that at all, because he's not able to. He's hostile to God's Word. But the Christian loves and longs for God's Word. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in obedience. Remember that. Don't let anyone... I don't care how persuasive they are. And even Christian leaders oftentimes kind of contrast the two as if to be in the Spirit is to not worry about obedience and everything. No. Let not many of you become teachers, James says. Sometimes I understand why that is. Uh, they're going to be held accountable for the kind of teaching that leads then to uh, flesh having a field day. And so the very teachers that are talking about in the Spirit are found out to be in gross kinds of disobedience. The very songwriters that are forming a lot of theology today in people's minds are found out to be far from in the Spirit, far from in obedience, but rather in sin. Now, there's a huge contrast here between that which is according to the flesh and that which is according to the Spirit, and that which is according to the Spirit is closely linked with a walk of obedience and subjection to God's Word and love for God's Word and eagerness to follow God's Word. Look over at Galatians 5 for just a second. Turn to Galatians 5. He says it so clearly. Verse 16, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and it'll have a huge impact on how you obey and who you obey and how you live. 
For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. The Christian life, living in the Spirit, is not just doing as you please. In fact, whether you're living in the flesh or in the Spirit, you know, Romans 6 talked about there's a bondage to sin, and then there's the freedom of slavery to God. And so you don't just do what you please. But then he quickly adds, and he doesn't want it to be misunderstood. Look at verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It isn't a legal kind of external obedience as a way to please God, but rather when the Spirit leads, we won't carry out the desire of the flesh. We will carry out the desire of the one who wrote this. We will carry out God's Word. And that brings us really to the final comparison. Look at verse 8 back in Romans. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The contrast is just this. Those who are in the Spirit can. Can. And as I say, we are so um, prone to almost not even think on this that we need to let the Scripture inform us. And I commented very briefly last time that none of this is to be misunderstood. None of this attains our position in Christ. None of this ensures it. This is all the result of being in Christ or in the Spirit. But life in the Spirit pleases God. Now, not perfectly, because none of us walk perfectly in the Spirit. There is only one who could say, and he did say, I always do the things that please the Father. John 8, 29, Jesus Christ, I always do the things that please the Father. But everyone who is born of the Spirit instinctively wants to say with Paul, therefore we have as our ambition, whether dead or alive, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. There is the desire within the heart, and it should be the active ambition of the believer to be pleasing to the Lord. Paul prayed for it in Colossians. He prayed that there, that we would have our minds filled with the will of God so that we may walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work. Look over at Thessalonians. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Finally, verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk. Now, we're going to give you a final request, Thessalonians. As you received instruction from us as to how you ought to live, as to how you ought to walk day by day and please God, and you actually do. Paul had very little complaint with the Thessalonian church. He said, I hear all around the region how you guys are doing. The word of the transformed lives is going out like a horn. It's, it's sounding forth. And he said, as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, and you're doing that, he said, I want to exhort you to what? Excel still more. That's the Christian life. It's living a life that pleases God, and we're never content because we realize there's plenty of room for improvement. And he says, I want to exhort you. You're doing a good job. You're pleasing God. I want to exhort you to excel still more. Or Paul could write to Timothy, his faithful disciple, 
And he said, listen, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. He is no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. Why? So that he might please his commanding officer. So that he might please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And Paul takes that analogy and says, that's the Christian life. You don't get all entangled in life every which direction. Your whole goal is to please the one who enlisted you as a soldier. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but those in the Spirit can and do please the Father. Now, think on that. Let's mull that over. Let's let that educate our minds because God is addressing our minds. He uses that mindset term here more than anything else, and He says, listen, the mindset on the Spirit is life, not death. It loves God. It's not hostile toward God. It loves His Word. Doesn't want to not hear it. It's subject to His Word. It obeys His Word. The Christian life is a life of obedience to Him. And it pleases God. Do you love God? Do you love His Word? Do you love to obey His Word? Do you long to please Him? That's what a Christian is. That's the fruit, you might say. That's the description he draws here of one who has life in the Spirit. Now, all of this, none of this, I should say maybe, is uh, just a matter of here's four or five things to do to be a Christian. Not at all. It's the result of the Holy Spirit living within us. He says, now I'm not talking to you in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. That is, if you've got the Spirit of Christ, we're going to look at that next time. But he says, every believer has a Spirit of Christ. And the Spirit of Christ comes in, and that's what the fruit that He bears in our lives. There's that longing. And so none of us would ever say that's that we've arrived or that we have what we ought to have in these realms, but it's the characteristics of one who is have experiencing life in the Spirit, life in touch with God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but those who are in the Spirit can and do and love to live in connection with him. Now we're going to come around the table and the table is a constant reminder of the foundation for it all. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What we could never do through legal means, what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh, God did. God put us in Christ. He condemned sin in the flesh by giving His Son, and He put us in Christ. And so we come around regularly, remember this, and then He ties it in our mind here in Romans 8 to what that life should look like and what it indeed does look like. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Life in the Spirit, a message from our series in the book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. 
But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to romansproject.org or connect with us at facebook.com slash romansproject. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. Just like He's the giver of spiritual life at the point of salvation, He's going to give us physical life, the Holy Spirit will, at the point of the resurrection. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit from God the Father and God the Son, will give life to our bodies, and we're going to get new bodies, and He's given now as a pledge of that. So He is the life-giving Spirit. He gives life at birth, and He gives life at resurrection. And when I say at birth, I'm not talking about physical life now. I'm talking about the rebirth the spiritual birth where the Holy Spirit gives life and then looking ahead to the resurrection when the Holy Spirit, who is given as a pledge now, will give life to our bodies. Join us again next time as we continue in our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part five of the message titled Life in the Spirit. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 